If the NFL starts out its season with everyone standing for Lift Every Voice and Sing, the Black National Anthem, and then virtually everyone on the field taking a knee when the Star Spangled Banner plays, I think it's going to be, if you remember the show Happy Days, the jump the shark moment when it's yes. like, okay, Happy Days is over, the NFL will run off a nice fat chunk of its audience and will never be seen the same again. That's sports journalist Jason Whitlock. Uh, he's a black guy, by the way. I suppose it matters to the conversation. He, um, uh, I, I hadn't even heard that this was even being discussed. I don't know how likely it is going to happen. There's this, this song that's considered the Black National Anthem. They're talking about playing at some NFL games. They'd play that first. Then you'd play the regular National Anthem and all the players would kneel. And then somebody texted, if they play the Black National Anthem and then some white player kneels during it or doesn't stand, oh. then what happens? Oh, boy. Surely this isn't going to occur. No way. Not, not a chance. It seems absolutely certain to cause strife, division, yeah, no. and, and unrest. I don't know who floated that idea, but uh, pop the balloon and send it back down. It, it, it's not going to happen. But Jason Whitlock did go on to point out, he said, anybody that just does the most basic research into what Black Lives Matter is will find out that they're a Marxist organization, echoing what some other black sport, sportscasters have said in recent days. Yeah, what was the name of the gent, the former defensive end? We Uh, played the tape early yesterday. Marcellus Wiley. Yeah, let's hear what he had to say. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter, but I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black and my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital and important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics, I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single-parent homes versus two-parent homes. The children from the single-parent homes, this is in 1995 I was reading this. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Six times more likely to be in poverty. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine, and they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. That's well said. Really well said. You might find this somewhat interesting from a uh, political science perspective. If you were to convince, or confront, rather, uh, Black Lives Matter folks, the, the leadership of that organization, not the idea, but the organization, and give them truth serum, they'd say, yeah, we know all that stuff. That's true. Of course it is. That lead, those people, those imprisoned, those unemployed, those uh, drug addicted, uh, you know, all that stuff, those people are much more likely to become Marxists and, and join our organization. We want that. We want to overwhelm the system. We want 
I call it the free market. They call it capitalism. I want that to crumble. We're trying to overwhelm it. We know. I think it's interesting that it took two guys from the world of sports to point out to America that, hey, have you been to the Black Lives Matter website? Anybody read this? Anybody seen this? And nobody on the cable news channel willing to say that. Because they were afraid they'd lose their job, or they don't want anybody to know, or I don't know. Or it goes against the narrative. I'm telling you, the, the major news media have written the soap opera. You got the good guy and you got the bad guy, and they're selling clicks and they're selling, uh, you know, getting eyes and ears to tune in. And if they make that plot confusing by saying actually some of the people who you think are the good guys are not very good guys at all, and there's a hell of a lot of the so-called bad guys that are really good people who love everybody, that clouds the waters. Man, you can't sell that on CNN. You can't sell clicks on that on HuffPo or whatever. I do understand the conundrum you've got because you've got a tremendous amount of uh, mind share, you know, people uh, being aware of it and understanding it and everything like that with the phrase Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And you're a person that just wants fair policing across America. Right. You hate to give that up and try to get a different term going because right. somebody else has a website and they're Marxists. Yeah. You know, I would uh, can be... Can you buy it from them? Or what can you do? I'd be more sympathetic to that, except that the organization Black Lives Matter has been at the forefront of a lot of the demonstrations and demands and lawsuits and the rest of it. So they're not tangential to the thing. They're pretty, uh, pretty central to it, which from the perspective of most Americans, which is... Everybody ought to get their constitutional rights, and, and we're not racist against anybody and the rest of it. It's it's terrible that a Marxist organization has assumed the lead. Heck yeah. I mean, it's really not a good thing. No, there's a lot of people that would donate to Black Lives Matter thinking they're going to make policing fair that have no interest in donating to Marxists. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. Boy, this video just came out. School children on a school trip to D.C. How long has that been going on? I went on one in eighth grade. It's great. Although I did get uh, strong-armed robbed. Um, <laughs> Other than DC. that. No, it was a good trip, though. Saw the monuments and, and the rest of it. And uh, actually, I claimed I didn't have any money, then took off. Um, I had a little foot speed back then. <laughs> anyway, uh, here's a bunch of school kids uh, on a school trip to D.C., and some guy, they're white kids, and some black guy wearing all black and gloves, and the rest of it is comes up to him, and I can't play the the tape because it can't be aired, but is yelling at him, calling a cracker asses and little bitches, and get the hell out of here, and the rest of it. Sorry for the frank language, everybody, but school kids being yelled at, get the f out of here. Okay, is racist that, acts, crackers. Is that going to be considered a hate crime? I think the whole hate crime thing is stupid, but if you're going to have a law, that's one. Oh, it's absolutely. Yeah. God, Tucker was talking about this. Will this last be night. on CNN? No. This is so troubling. This this acceptance of racism, it this weird all of a sudden we're cool with racism thing. As long as it's toward whites, who thinks that's gonna end well? Right. The idea that if you're white, you're just genetically all I need to know about you is one thing, you're white. Right. And there are things I can assume about you. That's the definition of racism. Yeah. And we've decided that that's not only okay, it's the number one book in the country. Politicians, businesses, all kinds of people are just perfectly okay with racism. Institutionalized racism. Yep. As long as it's against white people. Mm-hmm. It's weird. This is not going to end well. No, it can't possibly. It's troubling. Um, 
didn't mean to stay on that so long. Oh, I don't bring this up because we brought it up in a different context. Does anybody have any idea what's going on with uh, coronavirus tests? Does anybody understand why we don't have enough of those? What the holdup is? So they're closing centers various places because they're out of supplies. How are we in July and we don't have enough for practically everybody? What's the holdup? Is it funding or the CDC, the FDA, the the states, the federal government? Does anybody know what's causing this to not be what it ought to be? You know, I can dig around a little bit, but locally around me, they're closing five test centers due to supply shortages, shortages. The New York Times talked to this Dr. Morgan Katz, an infectious disease expert at Johns Hopkins, who said this turn of events that we're going backwards in testing is terrifying and clearly an evidence of a failure of the system. But where the failure is, I don't know. All right, so I found some articles on it, recent articles. This one's the New York Times. Can I trust them? I don't know. This one's NPR. Can I trust them? I don't know. Yeah, and that's the problem. How do I? Where do I get the information on what the problem is so it's not just a, a referendum on Trump at some level? Right, yeah. Yeah, because Trump himself is supposed to be mixing up the chemicals. I mean, I understand that, you know, the the buck stops there and the rest of it, and I respect that. But I feel like he's not that interested in ramped up testing because that's the quickest way to hire confirmed cases, he which he then views. as He can't be the problem. If he is, then we need to remake our government. There's no way one guy in the White House is what's causing this testing. If there are not enough stuff out there, whoever's running the CDC or the FDA or wherever it is needs to go to the press right today and say, this is what the problem is. They're holding us back in some yeah. way. Yeah, there, there would be an enormous hue and cry over that. If I see what you're saying, Sean, but... And I almost wish it was that, because that'd be easy to fix if it were one guy well i think it's just our bloated multi-layered way too complicated freaking system well i don't think he's necessarily the roadblock i think in a in a parallel timeline if he were really interested in maximizing testing i think his energy and and behind that would have made a difference so it's not that he's it's not that he's stopping it i just don't think he's he's necessarily pushing it yeah, yeah, you you would hope it wouldn't take the president right to push it. But certainly when they were coming up with tests in the beginning, um remember in Stanford had some ideas and everything like that and the CDC CDC said no you can't do it because we're supposed to do it it's our wheelhouse and all that. There, there was just it was just a multi-layered bureaucracy crap. I don't know, but it needs to get figured out. It's crazy that they're having to shut down testing centers various places. Yeah, so I'm reading about it. Um, Daniel Ruiz, who's Arizona's chief operating officer, said that really speaks to the national and global supply chain issues. Um, they don't even—they're even getting low on swabs. It's not that these things are in a warehouse ready to be delivered. Uh, testing supplies became a choke point. There will be a book written about this when this is all over. It'll be similar to the books and long articles written about the housing collapse. And nobody will be punished, and nobody will go to jail, and nobody will lose their job. But it'll be multi-layered, just malfeasance and poor planning at all kinds of different levels. But nobody nobody will ever be punished, and we won't fix anything. That's my prediction. Let's see. I'm just I'm scanning the article. Backlog at labs. In some cases, test results take four to six days. Far longer than the 24 hours being recommended. 
They have enough supplies here, but not there. We need a national system to redistribute the tests. People are saying, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a big, bloated system, I think. I can understand how that wasn't nimble enough to get testing going in April. Yeah. How about July? Yeah. Well, we have to be better than this. We do. I have mean, to wherever be the than blame this. lies, we have to be better than this. Wake up. Thank you. There you go. There is the brave <laughs> leadership. In Sean's world, that's the guy who fixes it. Yeah. What? Yeah, Sean. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Am I on the hook for that? I thank you. <laughs> what I get for jumping in? If you know, if you actually know anything, I mean, like you're in the world of, of medicine or something. Yeah. How are y'all doing where you are? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Assuming the season really does get going and there are still lots of unknowns between now and July 23rd, it will be the weirdest season of baseball ever. The shortest since 1878 comes as players are testing positive for COVID-19. Other players are refusing to play for their own health. Ballparks will be empty. And the rules of the game will change like the National League adopting a designated hitter. That's it? Why? Why the DH? I don't. I quite don't Just know. have more scoring? Yes. The courting of the casual fan will be the downfall of all sports. Yes. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting opinion. Yeah. DH is evil. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's evil. It's evil! I think it's more. I think well, a casual fan. I think I think it's way more interesting strategy-wise when they get the pitcher out there. But. Absolutely, but you have to understand the game, and you're not oh. the casual fan. Or I don't know, pitchers spend some time in the cage and swing a bat once in a while. Right, yeah. learn to bunt. In lit, like in high school, your pitcher is also your cleanup hitter. What oh yeah, because you're right. the best athlete yeah. on the team. Yeah, and then right. all of a sudden they're like, "Which end of the bat do I hold? I don't know how that happens." Oh, I got a hangnail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, swinging the bat so hard. When did that happen? <laughs> now you're sounding like Trump. Remember John Wayne movies? Those are good movies. Oh. How come they don't make movies like that anymore? <laughs> and nobody says Merry Christmas. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's all the time. When did that happen, the designated hitter? Right. Huh? Make what? the pitcher hit. <laughs> what is he, a wuss? <laughs> uh, so we got a couple of texts about the whole testing thing, because I'm trying to figure out, why are they closing down testing? Why are they running out of stuff? This doesn't really answer that, but... My friend got tested last Wednesday, still waiting for her results. A week later? Wow. So there, there's two different bottlenecks of supplies, My right? niece got a test where she knew the next day. There's the, the actual, like, the swab and the physical things that give you the supply, and then there's the machines, quote-unquote, that they put the samples in to figure out if they are okay. uh, positive or not. And I've heard both of those things described as bottlenecks in various states and cities. Depends where you are, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she initially went to the testing site at the Alameda County Fairgrounds. Okay, that's in the Oakland area of California. They were closed by the time she got there at 1045. They open at 9 because they close when they run out of their allotment of tests for the day, which I believe is 1,200. Wow. So you got to the testing site an hour 45 after they opened, and they said we're out for the day. That's not the way it should work mm. At it would, this many months into the pandemic. I don't know who's to blame for that, but as Joe said, 
We have to be better than that. And people need to be honest at all levels where the accountability lies and fix it. I'm sure there are great... Or democracy doesn't work and we need a king. Right. Uh, or the, I wonder, there have to be great, smart American entrepreneurs who are, who are starting up testsrus.com right now and, and, and saying, yeah, we can come up with as many tests as you want. We're going to go crazy on this and then running into either a shortage of chemicals or... Testing labs or whatever you'd think we'd know. But Is there a weird like FDA approval thing of test nonsense? I think they're fast tracking okay. that like crazy. Okay. But again, nobody's sure because unless it can be tied directly to Trump, nobody wants to talk about it. I was going to get into uh, this headline got my eye because I I kind of have a weakness for celebrity gossip. I really do. I'm not proud of it. That's one of those guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. I I will more often than not. If there are 20 star snaps on the New York Post of, like, people walking to their car from the grocery store, <laughs> I'll click on them. And I don't know why. Oh, no. I don't even know who most oh. of the celebrities are. Who are you? I know. Never mind them. I don't listen I to I don't a, know you. I don't know. listen to enough music or watch enough movies to even know who they are. <laughs> but there they are in a ball cap and sweats leaving the grocery store. Just like us. <laughs> Hollywood's latest hot chick in sweats. <laughs> But oh I got sucked into this. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's courtroom showdown is off to an explosive start. Oh, those two crazy kids. They're, uh, oh, jeez. Rough relationship. Started today. I'll bring a little of it to you. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, I've always been a late bloomer. Uh, I started playing late. I came to, I was 30, almost 31 when I came to Nashville. I've always been in a youth-oriented business, but I've not been a youth. I've, I got kind of a late start. And I wanted to encourage people that, that, that actually probably let the world talk them into thinking they're too old to start something new or to, you know, to do something that, uh, that's not always the case. If you believe in it, you got to go do it. Don't let the world talk you out of doing anything. Our positive note of the day from the late Charlie Daniels, who died yesterday. That's fabulous. That's a that's a great attitude. I also remembered what I'd... Uh, I knew there was something I'd read recently where somebody's talking very fondly about the young Charlie Daniels as a guitarist. It was Bob Dylan's autobiography. Because hmm. Charlie played on the Nashville Skyline album and one other, I think. Don't let the world tell you it's, you're too old to do something. Mm. I can still touch my toes. I just need to want it. <laughs> and, and stretch regularly. Probably. Yeah. Um, new Gallup poll out. No, oh, really? Getting a lot of attention. Mm. Uh, y- you might have forgotten. I had forgotten, and I do this for a living. Trump hit his all-time approval in May. Not May of last year. May is in two months ago. So much has changed. His all-time high of 49% in Gallup, where he was just almost certain. I mean, you know, back before the COVID started, it was hard to imagine how he loses at that point. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He's at 49% in May with his highest ever in Gallup. He's now three points above his personal low. His all-time low is 35. He's holding steady at 38 for the second uh, Gallup poll in a row. 38. <laughs> down 11 since May. Pretty hard to get reelected at 38%. Um, but these are weird times, and it, it's he's a unique cat. Are there people out there who don't approve of him who will vote for him? Yes. Because... <laughs> All the things that we talk about all the time. One, Biden is not an alternative they like. Two, they want to stick a thumb in the press's eye 
because they they you know when you make up crap like you did about his speech the other day, mm-hmm. it pisses you off, and she might think you know I don't approve of Trump. I wish I could put somebody else in there, but I'm still going to choose him. Well, and the left is being led really by the way way left, and people are rejecting that. So I don't know. Uh, Although we'll, we'll see. Luckily, they take a poll in November that uh, determines that sort of thing. But here's the most interesting thing out of the Gallup poll: record partisan gap. This. Shows you what our country is as much as anything. Not a surprise to anybody. Record gap. Usually when you have an approval rating with the president, sure, it's higher in your party than the other party. Never like this before. He's got a 91% approval with Republicans and a 2% approval with Democrats. So about half. Oh, my God. I'm used to seeing 60, 30, and 30, 60. Yeah, exactly. 90 to 2? (laughs) It's like one of those girls' high school basketball games where the one team's a superpower and the other only has six girls on the team. Wow. Talk about no wonder there are cable news channels that are what they are. There's no overlap. Right. There's almost zero overlap. There's nobody in this group that wants to hear anything good about Trump. No. And nobody in this group that wants to hear anything bad about Trump. So let's give them what they want. I saw the numbers of independents because I think his approval rating, do you have that among independents? It's, it's not high enough to get elected right now. Of course, between now and November is forever in electoral politics, not electoral politics. That's totally different. Um, very different. So who knows? I mean, this, this is amusing. It's interesting. It's like the baseball standings in April. You remember uh, baseball, folks? The bat, the ball, the gloves, etc. 33% for uh, Independence Day. That ain't so great. It's tough to get elected with 33% of Independence. But, mm. you know, give it a few months. Everything will have changed. God, that's amazing, though. Crazy, that, crazy that times. Two percent of Democrats. Yeah, I want to talk to those two percent. <laughs> Be kind of interesting. Yeah. You know what they are? They're uh, they're probably like union people who always vote Democrat because the unions and Democrats are in bed together. But right, right. They're they're actually social conservatives, and you know that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, thought that was interesting. The uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial has gotten off to a start. Now, when I first saw this, I thought, okay, it's Probably in L.A. It's the whole. No, it's not. It's the him suing the son in Great Britain for Mm. libel for them saying he was a wife beater. And he's suing him for a ton of money. And so there's a trial going on and they're talking to him and his ex-wife, Amber Heard. And they're in the courtroom today. It just started to try to nail this down. Amber Heard, who discovered herd immunity. Now, they have different rules in Great Britain. Their laws are different, libel, everything. Well, for instance, if you don't eat your pudding, you can't have your meat. Right. Well, how can you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat? I mean, it's logical law. <laughs> That's not a law in the United States, but it is in Great Britain. Yeah. Um, Depp was quickly... Prime conf- Minister Roger Waters, I believe, signed that into law. I also, I don't know if all this stuff he's tested, having to answer questions to would work in a courtroom in the United States. He uh, con- was confronted over his heavy drug use throughout his life. Is that relevant to whether or not you beat your wife? Tangentially, well, I'm sure the context matters. Is it possible, Mr. Depp, you don't remember hitting her because you're a drug fiend? Are you not a drug fiend? Depp was quickly confronted over his heavy drug use, troubled childhood, and his notorious hotel trashing tantrum in New York. 
I don't know how that would be relevant to whether you beat your wife. Anyway, I'll get into more of this coming up. The 57-year-old actor, Johnny Depp. Uh, my son just watched Pirates of the Caribbean oh, yesterday for the so first time ever. Did he pick up on the fact that it was kind of like a Keith Richards impression? I doubt that he did. Interesting. Yeah. Did he um, pick up on the fact that Orlando Bloom is dreamy? <laughs> I'll tell you what, that one pirate needs some uh, dental care. Oh, Ooh. and quickly. <laughs> yeah. Brush, floss. Grab every... some seaweed and floss there, Captain. <laughs> A saltwater rinse, something. <laughs> <laughs> the 57-year-old Depp uh, said that he had taken every drug known to man by the age of 14, but insisted he was not. Did he a- try hydroxychloroquine? Was <laughs> the president advocates <laughs> it? But he insisted he was not a wife beater. Uh, his ex-wife had said that um, that uh, he was a horrible monster. And Depp told the court that's not the case. She actually beat me. Anyway, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to this. He talked about all the drugs he took when he was younger. He denied having a nasty, angry side, even as he was confronted about trashing a New York hotel room in 1994. Would that be relevant in a case? Again, I, it's it's you're trying to establish that he has a violent temper. Is that a violent temper that you trash a hotel room? Well, I don't know. Maybe the lamp said something to him. I just think about it. I've gotten very mad at a lot of inanimate objects. I would never hit anybody. You couldn't get me mad enough to hit somebody. I don't think. Sean, I I got 50 bucks, says you can. (laughs) You're going to pay Sean to try to make me mad enough to hit him. To hit him. That's an interesting... Can I get in on this? That's an interesting position for you to be in. Yeah, and I'm happy to uh, take care of medical expenses as well. Oh, then yeah, no problem. I also think I've known people that would trash a hotel room when they're angry, but also never hit anybody. Sure. So, I don't know. But anyway... He denied having a nasty, angry side even as he was confronted about trashing this hotel room. I don't know the exact amount of damage, Depp said, when it was suggested that he caused $10,000 worth of damage. Dismissing it as a few dents, yes. He blamed it on a particularly bad couple of days, saying, I was angry. That didn't mean I had an anger problem. On that occasion, I chose to express my anger. There's a very artist sort of thing to say. Right, well, and again, uh, you mash up a hotel room, they're going to hit you with a big, fat bill. They're not going to round it down. He's going to say it was 10000 bucks. I grab a Snickers bar out of the little uh, little fridge there. It's like $19. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's true. If That's you, a good point. If you tipped over that little fridge with all the Snickers bars and cheese, it's on dollars it. $1,000 of damage. Exactly. <laughs> a $7 bottle of water? Oh, if you broke the bottle of wine, there's like $500. Yeah. Oy. Um, The court also heard a statement from... Uh, <laughs> Actress Ellen Barkin, who said Depp had thrown a bottle of wine across a hotel room on one occasion, and that he was jealous and angry. He didn't have a wine opener. Couldn't get it open. Exactly. Somebody said, you got any wine, Johnny? He said, here. Fired it across. Uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp arrived separately at a London courtroom, um, and then they had uh, testimony, I guess it's text or audio, audio tape, of Johnny Depp saying, you got hit, but I did not punch you. Huh. I'd not, I did not effing deck you. I was effing hitting you. I'm not exactly sure. Wow, what the so the, are. the open hand argument or what? I don't know. The sun anyway. does make stuff up. Flailing well, about and made contact, but I didn't have the intent of something. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's possible. Sure, we were wrestling, mutual combat, as they say, and you might have gotten a, a little uh, shot to the nose there, and I apologize for that. that. Who knows? I don't know. I wasn't there. They're both crazy. 
That happens occasionally in the United States where somebody sues one of these uh, tabloids where they think they went too far and whatever, but I don't know. Doesn't everybody take all the, these tabloid stories with a giant, giant grain of salt anyway? Yeah, I think some celebs just get tired of it, and they think this has got to stop before they go any further because a lot of these people do have families. They have children, whatever. They don't want it out in the press. I have some sympathy for him on that. And I could, I could see being classified as a wife beater being a, a greater motivator than if they were talking about you, I don't know, not recycling or something like that. Right. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> why did you, why did you, why did you bury your jewelry in the desert? What was that right. about? Was that your anger or <laughs> the cologne you were wearing caused you to do it? Was it Amber Heard's jewelry? What's <laughs> it, how are you going to find that jewelry again? <laughs> you got a map? <laughs> You ever stolen a towel from the hotel room or no. anything? Or anything at all? Uh, soap and stuff like that I take with me. Oh, that's not stealing. I don't think that's. I don't think that's stealing. They either. plan on you consuming that. So yeah. I, uh, I feel kind of bad. I was young. I wasn't making a lot of money, and I, uh, I, I actually stole the the mattress set. The entire mattress. <laughs> yeah, I walked out with it strapped to my back, out to my car, and uh, I feel bad about that now. And now I know that was wrong. <laughs> well, that's good. You learned. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. This is how we grow. Yeah. Towels. Yeah. That used to be an old joke or thing that people did take towels. Oh, yeah, all the time. Why would you take towels? They're practically free. I, I, well, that that was back, Jack, when you could not get cheap Chinese or Vietnam-made towels. True. It would cost you a day's wage to get a, a towel or a set of towels. I don't know. What I know about historical towel economics is very, very little. <laughs> I yeah, will willingly admit that. You, you launched into it as if you were at a, <laughs> yeah, a great deal of background. Right. We, we yeah. hit a sweet oh, yeah. spot. Yeah. No, it, used to, it used to be that a bath towel, Jack, would cost the average worker three and a half days' wages. <laughs> Please. You, you, so you came into it very swinging, very strong. <laughs> then, I, then you backed off your... Well, that's because it was horse crap. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Information, go to actionteam.org. All this chatter out there about what else she knows, who else she could implicate in all this. How much leverage does she have with prosecutors? Well, yeah, that, that's what we don't know. I mean, everyone's sort of saying, oh, she's going to cut a deal. Well, we don't know that she's going to cut a deal. I mean, remember, both sides have to want to enter into that deal. Prosecutors have to believe she's got information that they really need and they want. And typically, that would mean on a more severe or significant crime than the one that she's accused of. And second, you've got to get her to want to cooperate, to feel that it is worthwhile for her. So I think we're still a long ways away from being able to say that there's going to be a deal cut in this case. She's also- Dan Abrams, the legal analyst for Good Morning America, goes on to say this case is far from a slam dunk. Six charges, two of them are perjury charges from things she said in the last trial, which may not stick. Mm. And then the four charges that are about the sex, rape, all that horribleness are uh, testimony from people and things that happened 20, 25 years ago. It's not going to be easy to get her on any of this. So no, that's she, not a slam dunk. She might, she might, you know, think she just beats this straight up. There's no reason to cut any deals and give any extra information yeah I, that could be true i kind of doubted that there was a pretty reliable report that one of her accusers is ready to testify that she was raped dozens of times by ms maxwell and others and she said i will come into open court absolutely and testify god that. they'll go after her and everything she's ever done oh yeah yeah well yeah in the way that that happens 
um, which is awful, obviously. Uh, and, you know, the, the point of our judicial system is charging her with a crime. It's not charging her with who else is involved. Boy, it'd be exciting to find out Prince Andrew did something. <laughs> I mean, right. That's not. Yeah, it's an interesting calculus. And I've talked to prosecutors about this a little bit, but you just try to get the most justice. And if you have to go light on one piece of garbage, but you get four more, sometimes you just have to swallow that bitter pill. You know, try to get him a little, uh, you know, slapping, but a like, little punishment. But like but. Prince Andrew would be really difficult to prosecute, wouldn't he? Being part of the royal family in another country and our relationship with Great Britain and everything like that. That'd be dramatic as heck to watch that oh, unfold. God, I'd say. I mean, I don't think the old queen wants to be standing up for a child molester. I don't know. But if they I imagine out, they might drum them out. But if it turns out that she, well, this almost kind of has to be. Well, do you think they were working completely independently? She had her own operation. And it's just her and Jeffrey Epstein. She's not involved in any other underage sex trafficking anywhere in the world. Because if she's part of a network and you could get to other, you know, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, unfortunately, uh, whose names we don't know. They're not high profile, mm-hmm. but they're rich and powerful. Yes. And they're freaking weirdos who ought to be in prison the rest of their lives, but they want to have sex with underage girls. They got to be involved in, you know, that world somehow, I would think. I would imagine there is a heck of a lot of evil that she could lead you to. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, you would think so. And it'd be the proverbial bargain with the devil. But sometimes the greater good is served that way. Oh, sure. You know, I, I could live with her walking if they catch 20 other people. What would you think of sodium pentothal? Hit her with a little truth serum. Never mind she cooperates. You just, uh, has anybody checked the Constitution on this? I mean, I wish there was some way that was not nightmarish and straight out of Orwell. What did the forefathers think of truth serum? Well, they still thought that bleeding your feet would cure diseases, so I don't think they're real up on sodium pentothal. If there was, a, if there was like any hint that Bill Clinton was with underage girls, would they have a reason to pursue that or not? Ah, uh, yes. Sure. Would he be a bigger fish than her because he's a former president? I mean, how well, does that if work? he was at a party and he had knowledge she was 17, for instance, I'm just imagining a right. scenario. I don't think they let her off the hook for being the procurer of flesh and raper of children to get him right. for that. Yeah, that's I what don't I want think. Here's your host, Joe Getty. It's disturbing, that uh, song there. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap up the show. There he is, pressing the buttons. He's in the control room. Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, the strangest thing said today, Joe said that a few years ago, it would take a day's wages to buy a towel. That's right. Joe, where did you work? (laughs) I'm not sure that's right. Ironically, it was at the towel hut, Michael. Positive Sean's our producer. He has a final thought for us. Yeah, over the weekend, I had one of those weird sleeping things where I guess my neck was just crooked. And then the next couple days, anytime I did the thing where I looked to the this way, ah, looked at the other way, ah, woke up this morning, I'm, I'm good again. It's so nice to appreciate the small things like being able to turn your head this way and that way. Welcome, to the, welcome to the beginning of middle age, my yes. friend. Ah. <laughs> it's the point in life where every man thinks, in about two weeks, I'll feel as good as ever. 
Uh, Jack, final thought for us? I am with the crowd that thinks kids staying home from school this fall, it's worse for their health to stay home, uh, just for mental health and everything else, than whatever fear there is of getting the COVID. I'm with that crowd, so I'm spending my time gathering any stats and information from that crowd that's making that argument. A lot of the smart people are uh, saying, hey, it's way scarier to keep these kids at home longer. So speaking of health, and I explained this during hour two, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Yesterday, I thought I was uh, about to die. Five minutes later, they told me, no, you're not about to die. It's quite the roller coaster, and then it was time to get back in traffic and drive home. It's a very strange day. Uh, I don't think I'm going to die anytime soon, although who knows? So many, are we done? We're done. Uh, so many people think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All the podcasts are there. we got some fun Armstrong and Getty swag for you. Drop us an email if you like. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say what that. You- I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. And we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Wake up. Thank you. There you go. There is the brave <laughs> leadership. In Sean's that world, that's the guy who fixes it. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, Sean. Armstrong and Getty.